Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Last week in our study of the Book of Romans, Pastor Murphy showed us the Jews' hypocrisy in their condemnation of the Gentiles. We now continue that study and see the areas where we should look for hypocrisy today. So the very first thing that Paul does in verse number one is to bring to the Jewish attention their blatant hypocrisy. You notice what he says. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou judgest and doest the same. And what I want to show you this morning is that the Apostle Paul is going to show these Jews that the reason why they are guilty before God is because of this hypocrisy that the Jews have. Now, now you remember in the first, in the last half of chapter one, those of you who have been going through the, the book with us, remember the Apostle Paul drew up a awful list a catalog of evil that the Gentiles practice. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1 in the last section, he, he talks about 21 different distinct sins that characterize the Gentile world. And when the Jews saw that, they said, yes, this kind of behavior is intolerable and they're under the judgment of God. But the, the point of Paul's indictment in verse number 1 is this. Paul now says to the Jews, the same thing you condemn, the same thing you are doing. Now it's fascinating for those of you who would take the time to go through the Old Testament. And if you were to read the prophetic writings, when God sends his messenger to the Jews to speak to the Jews, one of the things that you will discover that again and again the prophets would list the sins of the nation. And what will fascinate you that if you compare the lists of the sins the prophet mentioned, and you compare it with the list that Paul gives in chapter 1 of Romans, you'll find that there's hardly any difference between the two. In other words, the Jewish people sank to such foul sins that frequently they too became deplorable before God. And God threatened them with judgment because of the sinful way in which they live. Now, I want to just show you that for just a moment. Uh, so you can see that when Paul said that, you know, you condemn people for doing something, but you turn around and do the same thing. Let me use an illustration to show you. And I'm using this illustration because we are currently studying the book of Ezekiel. And you remember that in Ezekiel chapter 22... The Lord told Ezekiel to go to the nation and declare their abominations. List their sins and catalog the offenses of the people of Israel. And in chapter 22, the prophet goes before the people and he, he talks about their abominations. And let me list what charges he brings against them. Number one, he says that you're a bloody city. Seven times in three verses... He says the this, this, this city is a bloody city. So what I'm saying is, here is Israel where there is murder and violence and mayhem. But Paul also mentions in his list, murder or the Gentiles. 
So they're condemning this practice, but yet the prophet is saying one of the offenses of the nation is murder. Secondly, in verse 3, he talks about idolatry. In chapter 1, Paul spends tremendous time talking about the Gentiles turning to idolatry and worshipping animals and beasts and fowls, etc., etc. But when you come to chapter th- uh, verse 3 of chapter 22, Paul condemns the nation of Israel for idolatry. As a matter of fact, Paul says, in every city you go, at the gates of the city, there's an idol. And then Paul says, if you go into the mountains on the hills, there you've got idols. And then Paul says, if you go into the very temple of God, there you have idols. These are the same people that are looking down at the Gentiles in in chapter 1 and saying, yeah, they ought to be condemned. They ought to be damned. If that's the kind of lifestyle they live, the kind of way they worship, ought to be damned. But the prophet Ezekiel says to them, there's not only violence and murder and mayhem among you, but there's also idolatry. And then uh, the the prophet uh, Ezekiel talks about Political and judicial corruption. Bribery. Scandals. It was not only in the religious world where there was corruption, but it was also in the political realm there was corruption. And then he goes on further in verse number 7. He talks about disrespect for parents. This is not the first generation that doesn't listen to parents. Romans chapter 1, Paul said, disobedient to parents is one of the marks of the Gentile world. But in Ezekiel... He reminds the people that you had a, a generation as well that wouldn't listen to parents who thought they were wiser than parents. And then we come down in verse number 7. He talks about xenophobia. You know what xenophobia is, don't you? Dislike of foreigners. That's not true of Antigua. Xenophobia. And, and the prophet condemns Israel for that as well. See? The way you treat strangers. The way you treat foreigners. So if you think the Gentiles are bad, Paul is saying you're guilty of the same thing. Then he talks about the abuse of widows and fatherless. Uh, by the way, we just had a meeting there with the Minister of Social Transformation in the, um, in the, the, the place down there by Bargain Center. I forgot the, the center. And uh, she too was lamenting the mistreatment of women. Uh, the mistreatment of children. And then he went on and talked about the matter of disrespect for holy things. Rather than being in the Lord's house or the Lord's day, they're doing everything on the Lord's day. Does that happen today? And he talked about the matter that uh, they were not even concerned about for the, 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 the institutions. Total disrespect. And then he talked about slander. How people assassinate other people's character. Of course, that doesn't happen, does it? Then he talk about lewdness, and that's the word that he used, lewdness. Talk about obscenity, unspeakable indecencies that were practiced in Israel. See? By the way, the prophet is not talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to Israel. And he's cataloging. God says, go and declare to the people their abominations. And Ezekiel said, here is a list of things that God holds against you. These are the things that you're doing that is wrong. And when you compare that list with the one in Romans... One thing you discover is not much different. And then in verse number 11 of uh, Ezekiel, the other thing that he condemns is what is called incest. Uh, Again, at the meeting we had, social transformation, uh, we just had this week, the minister talked about the whole matter of incest. 
daddy sleeping with the, his child, see, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, she talked about ch- uh, mothers who close a blind eye with the man that is sleeping with a daughter in order to keep food on the table. All of these things. I had a lady who came to me afterwards and we started to talk. And she wanted to get into that dark world of things she, as she had gone through. And I said, you know what? Go and talk to the minister. Tell him the whole story. See if he can help you. See? See? So it's, okay. it's, it's one thing to say the Gentiles are committing these foul atrocities. But when you go through the Old Testament and you listen to the prophets, you see that there's not much difference between Israel and the Gentiles. Now, if we had time this morning, we can talk about bribery and usury and extortion that the prophet talks about. But do you know that earlier up in the book of uh, Ezekiel, he talks about such things as stubbornness and hardness, a willful disobedience against God, and a total disregard for the prophetic word. When you take all of these matters into consideration, you discover that as far as uh, Paul is concerned, the Jews who were condemning the Gentiles were guilty of something called hypocrisy. They were doing the same thing they were condemning the Gentiles for. By the way, if you leave the Old Testament and you come into the New Testament, you, you remember the war our Lord had with the Jews during his time of preaching, three and a half years of ministering. At every juncture, wherever he was trying to explain to them their real problem. They fought against him. And you remember that he had some very stern words about them. You know what he says about them in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33? He said, you are an adulterous generation. That's the master himself. That is his assessment of the Jews. You are an adulterous generation. He went on and said in, in Matthew chapter 3, you are a generation of vipers, you're snakes. See? A bunch of snakes. See? That's how he called the Jews. In Matthew 12 and Matthew and Mark 8, he said that they were wicked and sinful. And then in Matthew 23, he said they were proud, arrogant, and hypocritical. See? That was our Lord's assessment of the Jews. They were hypocrites. Now, could I tell you this? Did you know that our Lord's incisive analysis of the Jews in his day did not result in repentance? You know what it resulted in? It resulted in their plotting the man to put him to death to silence him. That's the Jew for you. And now they're looking down at the Gentiles and saying, listen, Paul, we don't need this gospel. We're already in the kingdom. And besides, we're Jews. We don't carry the same guilt as the Gentiles. We're God's special people. And Paul says, I want to tell you something this morning. You're just a big hypocrite. See? You condemn the Gentiles, but you do the same thing the Gentiles do. So what does that make you? See? He doesn't use the word hypocrite, but anyone reading verse number one could put the word hypocrite above that verse. Do you not? See? And hypocrite, hypocrisy is what I call the, 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 the one-eye monster. It only sees one side. It can't see the other side. See? Have, you ever see a man with one patch over one eye? Going to see one eye? See? You can't see the two sides? That's what hypocrisy is. A one eye monster. Now, by the way, in verse number 24 of this same book, Romans chapter 2 and verse 24, the Apostle Paul sums up that hypocrisy 
in verse number 24. Know what he says in verse 24. He says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, when the Gentiles look at you who claim to be the people of God, who claim to be in a special relationship with God, who uh, believe that everybody is different and you are special. He said, when the Gentiles look at that and they say to themselves, well, if this is what it means to be the people of God and to have the blessing of God and the benediction of God upon him, if this is what it means to be a peculiar people, hey, we don't want it. We just don't want it. And as a result, Paul is saying, the name of God is blaspheme. The Gentiles look at the Jews and said, if that is what being a child of God is, I would rather be a child of the devil. Count me out. See, This is Paul's assessment of them. Listen, hypocrisy has no friends. There's nothing people despise more than a hypocrite. Who says one thing and does the same thing and condemns that very thing in other people. But he can't see that he does the same thing. This was true of the Old Testament. This is true of the Pharisees. Uh, the Lord said that they make people twice the, 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 the children of hell. They're not going in. They're keeping people from going in as well. And it had to do with the fact that they, they would say, do as I do. Do as I say, but not as I do. And they would use religion to enrich themselves. See? It is true of the Western world today, by the way. I want to say this. The Western countries cannot understand why the Eastern countries hate them so much. They can't figure it out yet. And here's their argument. We're such good countries. We let you come in. You know, whenever the world has a crisis, we send our planes, we send our ships. You know, we, we supply food where there's a major crisis. We are such nice people. Why in the world you hate us so much? But here's why the East hates the West. You see, the East cannot divorce religion from government. It's integrated. A Muslim president brings the Muslim religion into his government. That's why they want what's called Sharia law. See? They see you can't be a Muslim and say this is my Muslim life here. This is my family. This is my financial life. This is my church life. So keep, keep Allah out of my family. Uh, you know, keep Allah out of my business. Life. Keep Allah out. They can't understand that. If they are serving Allah and Allah is the God of the universe, Allah must be brought into government too, which is quite sensible. But you see, when they look at the West, which claim to be Christian countries. And then you get this cultural invasion through the television set. And you see the West is so corrupt that we got gay marches where gay people are on the streets claiming their rights. And they got lesbians and they got all this kind. They said to me, wait a minute, what, what kind of, a, you, you are corrupt. And that is why the West cannot understand the East. Because the West has said, religion belongs to the church. Keep religion in the church. Don't bring it into business. Don't bring it into government. Keep it in the church. 
And the East can't understand that. See? And you know why they can't understand it? Because they think the West are hypocrites. That you claim to believe in the true and the living God, but you keep the true and the living God out of government. So you, your government can tolerate any evil and endorse any evil. And they say to you, you are Satan. We got to get rid of you. See? That's the big battle. And the foolish politicians don't understand that even today. Don't understand it. It's the ideology. But it's the hypocrisy that they see in the West that drives them to want to do away with us, to see us as hypocrites. And by the way, is that not also true of the backslider? The backslider is one that the world can't stand and the church can't stand. He's not comfortable in the church. He's not comfortable in the world. Nobody likes him. He has no friend because he's a hypocrite. And the world sees that and the world has no time for hypocrisy. Is that not true of the tele-evangelist that we see? I'm reading a book by um, John MacArthur called Strange Fire. And uh, John MacArthur goes through that book and he documents all the evil of a lot of these people that on television. It would shock you. It would totally, totally shock you. Can you imagine a man using his prophetic voice to get a woman to undress, to sleep with her? <laughs> That's what's going on. I'm a prophet, and the Lord told me that you are special, and I need to see you. So in the name of the Lord, I say to you, undress. Foolish women undress. <laughs> I, 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 that's what's going on. Most of us remember names like Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart. Yes. Yes. And you know what? We can't stand those names. They, 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 they rub us the wrong way because here's Jimmy Swaggart, a man with a golden tongue and the silver lips. He's the one that exposed Jim Baker. But while he's exposing Jim Baker, he's meeting with prostitutes. The hypocrisy of it. And by the way, his ministry didn't end. He still has a, a, a ministry in the States. It's not as global as it used to be. But he told his people, the Lord tell me this is not in your business. I must not leave the ministry. So he is now ministering today. Hypocrisy. And those of us and those of the world who saw that and knew about that, I don't know how many people's minds were turned away from the gospel when they saw that. See? Hypocrisy. This is what the Apostle Paul is dealing with here. Uh, by the way, even in our own circle, there is a pastor in um, St. Thomas, a guy from Jamaica. Uh, the school asked him to come and teach, and he brought his wife to Jamaica. And they're teaching in the school in Jamaica, and guess what? He does everything to get the green card for her and everything. And one day, guess what? She gets up and leaves him and flies out to the States and tells him he's foolish. He's he foolish. She's gone up there, she marries somebody else. Now, when the world sees that, what kind of attitude do you think? I mean, uh, these are Baptists. These are Christians. These are, suppo- these are supposed to be a, 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 theolo- uh, a theology professor. He's supposed to have things together. The poor brother is still 
teaching at the school. He's still pastoring a church. His wife has found solace in the arms of another man. But imagine that how she used him to get from Jamaica to get a green card. The moment she got a green card, she's gone off and left him holding an empty bag. The world can't stand hypocrisy. Paul couldn't stand it. And that is why he's trying to drive home the fact that these Jews are guilty before God because they're guilty of the grossest form of hypocrisy. They are looking down their noses and condemning the Gentiles and saying, yes, they ought to be damned, Paul. They're under the wrath of God, Paul. And you can't say it too strong, Paul. I agree with you. I endorse. I cast my vote with you. They're all to be damned. And then Paul said, you didn't understand what I said. I said, the wrath of God is against all ungodly and unrighteous. You see, the Jews didn't hear the word all. They just hear Gentiles. The hypocrisy of that. Now, by the way, fascinating thing about hypocrisy is that hypocrisy blinds us to the truth about ourselves. You know, we can see it so clearly in other people, but we have some difficulty in seeing it in ourselves. And by the way, when other people point it out to us, The funny thing about us is that we always find some explanation or some excuse where we talk about extenuating circumstances. Now the same thing, you know, the same thing we see in others, but when it is brought to our attention, it is always something, it's a little bit different. You know why? Because it's with us. It's a terrible thing, this matter of hypocrisy. Now this morning, I want to use uh, three simple contemporary examples of this matter so you can see uh, that it's not just something that relates to the Jews and relates to the Gentiles, but it also relates to the 21st century world. Let's look at hypocrisy in three areas. First of all, I want to look at it in politics. Secondly, I want to look at it in in, in what is called labor relations. And then thirdly, I want to look at it in regards to our personal lives. Let's look at it for just a moment. Let's take politics. Now, there's no greater hypocrisy than in the realm of politics. In Antigua, you've got two major parties. The country is divided around a fault line. You've got the UPP on one side, you've got the labor on the other side, and these two can never meet. The labor people are adamant, they are faithful and loyal. Uh, the UPP are faithful and loyal. So what you have is a divided Antigua. A real divided Antigua. By the way, it has not only divided Antigua politically, it divided Antigua religiously. There are churches where there is virtually political war. Political war. There are churches in Antigua that have been split over politics. If you don't know that. But consider for just a moment... The hypocrisy and how it applies to politics. Take labor for just a moment. If you go to a labor meeting, uh, you will hear the labor party say that the UPP are in it for themselves. You will hear them say that they're against the, the progress of the country. And you will hear them say that they're more concerned about their own personal interests than the national interests. But then you will hear them say, 
But we are the altruistic party. See? We don't think about ourselves. We think about the country. We put country first. But then you go to the UPP meeting. And you know what you hear? You hear the same thing. Labor is about themselves. They don't think about the national interest. They just think about their own interest. But we are the altruistic party. We're the country controlling for the whole part. Here's the problem. They can only see it from their side. Every single one of them can only see it from their side. And the reason why they can only see it from their side is because they are looking at it from ill will and self-interest. And that blinds them. To see the totality of the situation. To understand there's not much difference between the parties. And I repeat. There's not much difference between the parties. I only hear one amen. <laughs> I know there are others who will not say amen. But I, I'm just using the illustration to say to you. There's a lot of uh, hypocrisy. In the matter. Someone has said that six and half a dozen the same. Right? You've heard that before? Six and half a dozen the same? <laughs> That's true of the parties. <laughs> but what, what I'm trying to say to you that this one I monster called hypocrisy only allows us to see the bad in the other person, all the good in ourselves. See? It's never able to, to take a broad view in these matters. It's a one-sided situation. Let me, let's take the matter of, uh, for just a moment, labor and capital. So it's not only in politics, but also in the area of economics that you have this hypocrisy. Take, take, uh, take for just a moment uh, the matter of management, management and labor. Uh, how does management look at the situation in the country? You know what management says? Management says, listen, working people don't want to work. They said the, the, reason, the problem with the country is that the worker wants more money, but he wants to produce less work. They say that. And what I said, what we really need is a, a, a vibrant workforce that is productive. The problem is not management, the problem is the labor. Give us better workers and we'll produce more. That's the management perfection. Now, listen to the laborer. Management wants us to work for starvation wages. They're not concerned about us, the worker. They're just concerned about themselves and the capital and so on and their investment and their returns. They want more for less. The problem there is that both of them are hypocrites. By the way, that is why a, a labor union and an employer union can never have a balanced view. Because the employer union is looking at it totally from the employer. The labor union is looking totally from the labor, labor, the worker. The truth of the matter is both of them are looking at it very separately. They don't see the total picture. By the way, it's only when you have a business that you begin to understand the problem with labor. I hear nothing. See? I'm telling you, it is when you start a business that you begin to understand the real problem with labor. And the truth about people is this. Nobody loves to work. That's the truth. Okay. And nobody works for what they're paid. See? A man that is paid for eight hours a day, he does not work eight hours a day. He doesn't even work four hours a day. See? 
If you doubt me, you think about it for just a moment. You sit down any moment, you think about it, how many hours you really put into your work. And you begin to realize you waste a lot, a lot, a lot of time. See, see. But when you should be doing the boss's business, you on some errand somewhere. Running over the whole island. Where are you? Oh, I'm on the, I'm your work, man. Yeah, I'm going to see so and so. Liar. And I don't want to, I hear a little sniffle. All right. A lot of people, when they should be at work, they pretend to be sick. That's a given. See? I want some time off, so I go to the doctor and I said, I'm tired. He write you some prescription, you know, you get $50. The truth of the matter is, and you go and tell the people you're sick, you're not sick. He give you two weeks off, you see. All of that is just a mark of the way that we are hip- hypocritical. But you see, we don't see it that way. Because we only see it from our side. We don't see it from the boss's side. The boss doesn't see it from your side. That is why I call hypocrisy the one-eye monster. It only sees it from one. Now, so we see it in politics. And we see it in the matter of management and labor, labor relations. But let me show it to you also when it comes to our personal life. And I will want to use a, a classic example of this in relation to what the story that we have in the, in, 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 the, in the Old Testament. It is found in the book of Samuel. You remember the story of David when he committed sin with Bathsheba, don't you? I think we all know that. But did you, did you ever pay attention to that story and how Nathan the prophet came to David and he didn't come to David and said, man, you slept with the man's wife. You killed the man. He didn't do that, you know. He came to Nathan and said, uh, he came to David and said, David, I want to tell you a story. And let me tell you the story. He said, there's a rich man who has so much abundance. And, and guess what? A traveler comes by a stranger. So what the rich man does He goes over and he takes, not from his flock, he takes from this poor man's flock, one little ewe lamb. And he takes that lamb and he kills that lamb and sacrifices that lamb and he feeds the stranger. And David said, who would do that? Who would do a thing like that? That is so terrible. That is so inhumane. Why would a man who has so much do such a thing? Listen, I, that man ought to die. And I tell you what, he ought to restore to that poor man four times what he took. And Nathan said nothing. He said, David, the man I'm talking about is you. You're the man. But listen to me. David was sincere. David was honest. David was so angry, his righteous indignation rose up in his soul. He felt something like that was so unjust. But here's the problem. David could see it was wrong for a rich man to take a poor man's lamb and slaughter it. But David could not see it was wrong to take another man's wife and sleep with her. See the difference? Couldn't see it. And the reason why, because the same hypocrisy of one eye monster. 
It only sees one side of the story. Look, could I say something to you this morning? What is true of the Jew? What is true of David? Don't get angry with me. It's true of you. There's so many times that we are just plain old hypocrites. We pontificate and we condemn what everybody is doing. But if the truth be known, we would realize the same person saying these things is actually doing the same thing. And I want to tell you this morning, nothing will blind you more than hypocrisy. Nothing will keep you walling yourself in a false security like hypocrisy. And what Paul is trying to do to these Jews is to take the skill from their eyes, remove the veil, put the torchlight of God's truth into their soul and say to them, listen, you too are guilty before God like the Gentiles. You do the same thing and therefore you deserve the same judgment. But let me say one last thing. The reason why Paul is doing this is for one reason only. And it's to show to the Jew as well as the Gentiles that they needed the same gospel that we Gentiles need. That's the point. Listen, there's only one way, there's only one hope. There's only one rescue plan. Whether you be right or whether you be a hypocrite, whether you be a Jew or Gentile, whether you be Baptist or Methodist, whether you be male or female, whether you be educated or not, whether you be literate or illiterate, it doesn't matter until you face the fact that we are all under the wrath of God, all in need of salvation. You will go on in your blindness, judging other people. And by the way, is there one person here who had a cocky attitude this morning? I don't need what you people got. I am better than most of you people in here. See? Could I say to you that if that's your attitude, you are in serious trouble. See? You just haven't understood your standing and your state before God. See? So Paul has got a job to do. He's got to, by the way, this is a, a monolithic job Paul had, you know. You know when people are so stuck up and surround themselves with false security and they've got all these barricades and they feel that they are entrenched and nobody will move them? It's very hard when people think they're Christians and think they're saved and think they're in the kingdom of God and because they've made some decision 20 years ago. It doesn't matter about their life. They haven't looked at their lifestyle. How am I living? They always go back. By the way, can I say this? I'm coming to this in the next message. You will find in the Bible that whenever it's dealing with the whole matter of assurance and what a man is saved, it never asks the question, did you make a decision? Did you make a decision? It's not in the Bible. Never does that question ever ask. So that's what we do. When somebody says, Pastor, I'm not too sure I'm saved. We say, did you make a decision? 
We make the decision, everything. But never, it always comes back. The proof that I am saved is the fruit in my life. It is how I live. If my life has not changed, I am not a Christian. That's the reality of it. If I'm living like the devil, it's because I'm the devil's child. That is why Paul is spending all this time dealing with the Jew. Because he's entrenched in believing he is in the kingdom. He doesn't need the gospel. He doesn't need Christ. He's already saved. He's already on his way to heaven. And Paul is saying, man, you're in so much trouble, you don't even know it. The hardest people to make to reach is religious people. Hardest people. That's why it takes time of really probing and probing and probing and drilling and drilling and drilling and peeling back leer after leer after leer after leer until one day they come to, you know what? I'm really lost. The one eye monster. Hypocrisy. The reason why I condemn other people is because it makes me feel good about myself. But Paul says, you Jews, I want to tell you something. You're in so much trouble. You're so much worse than the Gentiles. You had so much more light than the Gentiles. You had so much more opportunity than the Gentiles. You had so much more privilege than the Gentiles. Oh, but you're so much more responsible. But here's your problem. You surrounded yourself with a false security. And that false security is grounded in the fact that you haven't faced the fact that you are just a plain old hypocrite. See? And Paul says, you condemn yourself in that you tell others that they're wrong and what they're doing is wrong, but you still turn around and you're doing the same thing. May I ask you in closing this morning, are you a hypocrite? Are you a hypocrite? Pastor, how do I know if I'm a hypocrite? Two ways. Am I condemning what people do and yet I'm doing it myself? And here's the other way. Am I building my whole life about the fact that I've got became security, but I am not looking at how I'm living? My whole security is based on I do certain things, I have certain things. But are you looking at how you're living? How you're living? Is anyone in here this morning? Here you are. But where were you Saturday night? Where were you Saturday night? What were you doing Saturday night? Who were you with on Saturday night? But here you are this morning. Here you are. Well, it was not Saturday. What about Friday? Well, what about Thursday? What about Wednesday? See? See, I've learned a long time to appreciate the fact that talk is cheap. The real proof of Christianity is not what I say. It's how I live. And I want to repeat that again and again. That was the problem with the Jew. See? And that's why Paul says... The Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because they're saying, if that's 
what the people of God is supposed to be like? Is that what God's blessing and benediction means to people when a person says, I belong to the Lord, I'm God's special people. I'm a pe-. When I look at their lives, the Gentiles say, you know, if that is what it means to be a child of God, I want nothing of it. I wonder the guy you go to work with, what he thinks about your religion. Does he know you're even a Christian? But if he knows you're a Christian, what does he think about your religion? By the way you manage your time, by the way you deal with people in the workplace, by the way you backtalk the boss and slander the boss. I wonder if they say, wow, well, I ain't going to his church. I ain't going to her church. She can talk for no until the cows come home. I just don't want what she has or what he has. You know, it's one thing for us here this morning to, to listen to this and say, you know what, boy, these Jews were so blind, so completely blind. It's another thing for us to say, you know what? It's me. It's me. Let me tell you something that happened to me this week that woke me up. I was reading the book, um, uh, the same book I told you, uh, Strange Fire by John MacArthur. And John MacArthur thought about one of these great TV evangelists who, um, who tell people, send, send in your prayer and include a little offering and uh, we will pray for all your requests. John MacArthur uh, talked about one guy, I, I, I'm not going to give his name right now. But people send in their prayer and they send in this offering. You know what they do? They open the envelope, take out the money and throw the envelope. Like, I said, God, how can anybody do that? How can anybody? So people are sending gifts for you to pray for them. But you just open the envelopes, you put away the money. And then you just put the envelopes in the garden. You don't even read them. You don't even pray. And then the Lord said to me, has anybody ever sent you anything in an envelope that you just took out what was there and, 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 and got rid of the letter? And brother, my heart smote me so badly. My heart smote me so badly. Because periodically, a church will send me a gift. And you know what I do often? I would take the thing, take out the gift, write my name on the back, deposit it, hardly ever read the letter. And the Lord said to me, what's the difference between these people and you? You know, here I was condemning. I read in the book and I said, I cannot believe anybody would do such a thing as this. Then the Lord said, look at yourself, sir. Take a good, long look at yourself. And he shook me up, boy, because I began to realize, you know what? We are hypocrites in so many things. So many things. Oh, would God help us to see ourselves? See, We need God. We need Christ. It's our only hope, my dear friend. I can't hold on to anything other than Christ and Christ alone. What do you going to hold on to? Sometimes your best effort has, is grounded in the wrongest motive. You did this great thing. But people don't even know the motive you did it was not the right motive. But God sees that. It's trash. It's wood here and stubble. So we look at the Jews this morning and we say, boy, who would ever believe that they can do something like this?
But I ask you this morning to take a very careful, thoughtful look at yourself. Compare yourself and ask yourself, am I not also guilty of these things? Do I not also need to repent? May God help us. Join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy shows us the standards by which God will judge man. If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.